Welcome to the CLB Forge podcast, brought to you by CLB North American Mission. This is the show to help equip you and your church for mission, ministry, and multiplying disciples. Welcome to the show. I'm Dan Stenberg. And I'm Ryan Nelson. Welcome to episode 65. Today we're talking about casting vision, an important task for leaders in the church that's easy to avoid, can feel really overwhelming to address, and yet it's critical for the future of every church out there. So here with us today is our guest, Andrew Estes. Andrew has served as a pastor for over a decade. He leads churches and individuals in vision casting. He's a certified navigator with Oxano and is the director of training and communications for Nexus Church Planting and Leader Care. He lives in Loveland, Colorado with his wife, Megan, and three children. Welcome, Andrew. It's Man, it's great to have you with us today. It was fun getting to meet you a little while ago down in Virginia. That was that was nice, and it's, it's just great to be able to, to bring you on here to, to share more of what fed us so well while we were down there. Yeah, thank you guys so much. It's uh, truly an honor to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you, Andrew, and uh, and great to see you again. Uh, Dan and I got to meet Andrew at a ministry training event, and we'll probably circle back to that later in the in the episode today. But it's just great to have you here. And right off the bat, we want to uh, just start in with a really, really challenging question for you. What These was, are the big ones. Yeah. These are the big ones right here. We just we, we, we cut out the nonsense and just go straight for the, the heart of things. What was your favorite childhood cartoon or kid show growing up? Oh, that was Ninja Turtles, man. Oh, I mean, yes, yes. Don't have to think for a second about that Woo! one, man. And I, <laughs> yeah, man. But I was, I was kind of weird. I wasn't like the the crazy leader guy, so Leonardo wasn't my dude. But Donatello was like the smart guy, and so he could always figure out a problem. That was my guy, man. So. Yeah, Raphael, dude. Like I was all about Raph. Like he was, he yeah. was my guy. But I respect yeah. Donatello. Donatello is good. Yeah. Like, he's you like awesome. the hothead, Daniel? I mean, it. I I related, I related <laughs> <quite a bit. laughs> to, to Raphael. I like Leonardo the the sword and the blue armbands. That just that's good stuff. Yeah, man. Yeah, good old good old Ninja Turtles. It's it, it's it's fun the stuff. OG so- Ninja Turtles. Not none of this new stuff. I mean, just the the original. You know, even the one with the movie with Vanilla Ice. I mean, that's that's legit right there. So. There you go. There you go. There you go. So the whole like loving the the Donatello. Like I, I think that that kind of works pretty well. I mean, he was the one that could see things that weren't there yet, right? He's always like making things out of stuff that 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 wasn't there before and and so you might argue that that Donatello had vision for for what things could be that that weren't yet, right? Oh, I see that. So if we're yeah. we're talking about vision, we're we're looking at we're looking at vision today and I I would just what is your understanding of vision? What is vision as we as we talk about it in the church context? Vision, vision in the church is, I mean, it's such a loaded question, but it's such a, a simple one as well. I mean, it, it literally is just as simple as a picture of the future, a, a picture of your church, of your identity, of, of who God has created you to be and what God has created you to do. So at the simplest level, it's just a vision for who you are and where you're going as an individual or as a church. Awesome. I think that that term can sound overwhelming or something maybe corporate, you know, business world language that doesn't apply to, to ministry, but that definition is, it's really clear. So can you tell us why, why is vision important? 
Well, it's it's clear to, uh, especially when you're talking about definitions, right? I mean, you're talking about what is vision. You know, we could ask the same question of what is mission or what are values? What is a clear strategy and all these different things? And if you ask 10 different leaders of, of a definition to any one of those, you'll probably get 10 different answers. And so uh, the, the problem or, or, or really the thing that you're trying to answer with um, why vision is important is to just to have clarity as a team to be able to say the same things, know what you're talking about and to have shared language that moves you forward together. It clearly identifies who you are as, as, as an individual, it, who you are as a church leadership team, and what you are as an organization, and where God is taking you. Because if you're saying totally different things, you might all think you're talking about the same thing. I mean, you, you ask the question, what is discipleship? Man, how many questions, how many answers could you get when you ask something like that? But being able to to clearly articulate who you are, what you're doing, where you're going, and to be have be able to have your entire team on the same page, man, it we we think oftentimes in church leadership we have a lot of that, but there's so many times that leaders lack the the freedom, the confidence, and the clarity to be able to understand what their vision is and how to achieve that. So vision. Sounds fantastic. Why do you think churches struggle so much with it? Personally, I, I kind of go back to even my college days, right? So I'm, I'm sitting in uh, leadership classes at a, at a Christian college, and we talk about leadership or vision, and it all just seems like this ethereal, unattainable type of language. I mean, it just seems out there, and you can't really pin it down. You don't really know what it is. You know it's important, but you don't know why. Um, and so I think that just being able to grow up in ministry and having gone through uh, so many different experiences and being on staff at a bunch of different, uh, a few different churches and gone through a lot of ups and downs in ministry personally, um, you see the benefit of when leaders get it. Right. I mean, you, you, when when leaders get it, when they're talking about having a clear vision and understanding the need for a clear vision, and then you understand the same on the on the opposite side, where where leaders just really struggle with it, and they just get busy staying staying busy and playing church every seven days. And, you know, as long as people are coming, as long as, you know, we have people attending groups, like that's what success looks like. And, and, you know, we just get behind the eight ball whenever we're trying to understand, all right, God has called us to an exceedingly epic mission. And, and we just struggle with that sometimes and just settle in and just be okay with, you know, our, our, our little churches and just staying busy and playing church every seven days. And so, so many churches struggle with vision. And I, from my experience growing up, just because they, they're unable to articulate it and unable to, to plan clearly based on it. So I was a part of a church early in my ministry that was led by an extremely visionary leader where decisions were made based on vision. Missionary support was based on vision. All of our financial um, and outreach type of events were based on vision. And then I went to another church um, down the road where all of that wasn't there. <laughs> right. And so just being able to to go into and when I when I was really young in ministry, that that first leader I was under, I didn't really understand the the benefit of what was actually happening. I actually thought it was like really kind of a struggle. Like, why is he making all these hard decisions? Like, why aren't we supporting people that are coming out of our own church to go on the mission field? But it was outside of our vision. And so we supported them a little bit, but not not in, intently. But then I went to another church where it was just like, you know, you had one of those mission boards where it was just like we had pictures 
pictures on the wall and the little yarn to <laughs> to a place in the world and it was somebody's brother's cousins who was going overseas one time and we had no connection to them and it was it was just a struggle but it was just an investment that we kept making because right. there was no clear vision of understanding why and so i think that we waste resources we waste time and energy we waste staff leadership because we don't have very clear set visions and and, and understanding what that is one of the concerns that I hear continually from pastors is that this isn't an easy thing to, to come up with. There's a certain creative type that is, is related to, to visioning. How do you help alleviate some of those concerns? Being able to understand, especially as a lead pastor, that you don't have to do everything is probably the first step. So many lead pastors just have this mentality that they need to go to the top of the mountain and come down with the vision like Moses did and just kick <laughs> down the door and say, all right, church, this is our vision. Get on board or jump off. Right. Right. I am 100 percent on board with so many other leaders when they say the idea of that vision is a team sport. And being able to leverage the the intellect, the heart, the the faith, the capacity of every other leader in your team uh, to be able to sit in a room together and dig deep in a process and say, like, where is God leading us together? Rather than just having the sole pressure on the senior leader to where everybody just looks to him and say, like, all right, what's next? Like, where are we going? What are we doing? Why aren't you telling us, you know, just struggling with some of that stuff. And so there's, there's that part of it where I think there's just a, an unnecessary pressure on the lead pastor to, to produce that kind of stuff. And especially what you're saying, I mean, there's a lot of creative aspect that comes underneath that. And if you're not really yeah. given towards doing that, then there's probably somebody else on your team that can help you do that. And, and we need to be okay with that. I think that the, the senior leaders need to be okay with, with understanding that this doesn't necessarily just have to be my job. The second thing that I would just kind of go on is having a simple toolkit to help you uncover your vision, right? Okay. So, so not having um, just a blank sheet of paper and just say like, okay, what's your vision? Even though there's, there's some time and place for that, but being able to just sit with the team and go through certain exercises that really are, are crafted and molded and shaped to bring you about to your desired future, right? It's not, it's not designed to give you your vision. It's desired to uncover or designed to uncover your vision, right? So one of the things that we did when we were with you down in Virginia was you gave us a piece of paper, then it showed out a bunch of other churches' visions, right? These are, these are vision statements from a bunch of different churches. Is that the kind of toolkit you're looking at? Because I know that like really helped me to be able to sit down and be like, oh, so I'm not just with a blank piece of paper. It's not just empty. And I can be like, oh, so this is now this doesn't fully fit where we're going, but I like this aspect of the wording and I like where they're going, where this church is going with this. And I like where that's happening here. And so, you know, and then maybe there's some unique things about your church too, that, that you're bringing in there. So you're not just copying from everybody, but having a, having a place to build, having a box to build off of. Is that, is that what you're talking about with like the toolkit, having something along that line? Yeah, absolutely. That's one part of it. And I would say uh, one, one affirmation to that and one kind of caution to that. One, the affirmation is to see, you know, I mean, how, how are other churches doing it? How are other churches doing it really well? 
right? I mean, so right. you're seeing examples, you're seeing um, just ver vivid clarity coming from other leadership teams and, and how they're presenting things. So there's a lot of benefit in understanding some other examples of what that is, right? And so we, we walked through some of that stuff when we were at the boot camp um, in Virginia. And so the, the one caution that I would say with that is that there's, there's a lot more than just that because vision should start with investigation, not imitation. And so while you're looking at and seeing good examples from other churches, you want to be very intentional and very understanding that this is communicating someone else's heart for someone else's context and someone right. else's passions. What can I glean from that that is good? What, what, what am I seeing that is consistent that I could, I could reproduce? But how do I communicate it in a way that's true to who I am, who our team is, and who are what our local context is like? Does that make sense? Yeah. No, that's great. That's that's fantastic. Yeah. And then the other big concern that I've heard before is so you get together with your group, right? And you're trying to figure out what your vision looks like. I think that we have this fear of being too exclusive with the direction that we want to go, right? With the vision that we have. So like our vision is, you know, part of what we're looking to do is bring in young families. Well, then now we're excluding those who aren't in young families. And I mean, bringing in young families is a terrible mission statement. Like that's not something that, like that's, that's not necessarily really where you want to go as far as mission statements go. But there's just this concern that if, if we actually express what our vision is, it gets narrow. And, and how, like, well, what do you respond to that? Is that okay? Is that not okay? How, how do you move forward with, against that kind of fear or concern? Yeah, no, I think that that's, uh, oh my goodness, that is such an incredible benefit. I mean, how, how, how blessed would it be as a leader to be so clear on your vision to know when to say no, hmm. right? I mean, so you have, even though you're, you're, you're vividly pointed towards something, it doesn't mean that you have to say no to every single thing, but it helps you say yes to the right things that you feel God calling you to do. And it helps you say no to the things that are a little more tertiary, a little more peripheral um, to be able to to walk in. Because you have limited time, you have limited leaders, and you have limited resources as any church is, right? I mean, we don't all have, you know, a, a unlimited time and resources. If we did, then we could say yes to everything, but we don't. So how can you make the biggest impact with what you've been given in the time that is, is allotted to you right here and right now? So I think that there's, there's always that tension, like, well, you don't want to say no to everything, but you have to, right? You can't fund every single missionary in every part of the world. Like you have to be able to say yes to some and no to others based on where you feel like God is leading you. And whether it's missionaries or local ministries or, or ministries inside your church, right? I mean, you have to be able to say yes to some things uh, and invest wholly in them by, by saying no to other things. And so there, it's, it's a decision filter, right? I mean, so you have a clear vision, you have clear values, and based on those, that vision and values, and what your mission is, you understand that, that by nature, it allows you and forces you to say no to certain things. And I don't think you have to apologize for that. Mm -hmm. What would, I mean, what would you say, Ryan, to, you've been seasoned in ministry for a little while, being able to, having the freedom to say no to certain things. Yeah, that's really powerful. Uh, I think one of the major challenges facing churches is, is taking on too much and too many things and not just too many missionaries to support, but way too many ministries and it becomes impossible to end something that's no longer effective or you know when i've gone into consult with churches a pattern i see are way too many ministries 
for the number of people who are present and on site. And yeah. ministries are retained out of loyalty to heroes of the faith from the past of the church. People want to be loyal to past heroes in the church. And so they don't want to end things when, when vision is guiding decisions. It makes a huge difference. I remember even, uh, I was, I was going to bring this up later, but, uh, when we were at the training event with you and you were coaching us on how to do some of this work, I remember as I was laying out, going through one of the exercises you let us in and I was laying out vision for the future and the plans to get there. I realized that one of the projects that I had on my mind and my heart, something I was really excited about, I realized this is not high priority because it's not part of reaching that vision. So I got to experience you helping me say no to to the right thing. Is that how you say that? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Say no to the right thing. And I think that's another way to put that too is like it helps you differentiate from doing what's good to doing what's best. Yes. Yeah, Absolutely. Andrew, what are, what are some key steps churches can take to cast vision and actually reach their vision? Because I, I think of a couple challenges. I think sometimes it's really hard for churches to develop clear vision. And I've been in that situation myself where I've led through a process. We wind up with a vision statement that's probably too vague and too broad. Another challenge that I see churches facing is they do develop a clear vision, but they aren't equipped to implement it, to carry it out. And they're at a loss for what to do after you come up with this great vision. So can you talk to us about, about some of that? Yeah. So uh, to, to answer that second one, vision lives and dies in execution. And that's why there are, are so many leadership tools, leadership books, and, and coaching processes designed to help you execute what God has called you to. Right. And so uh, whether whether you have a, a massive God sized like sun stand still type of a vision or you have just a little vision just helps you get through the day, um, every one of those like lives and dies in execution. So, I mean, it's 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 one thing to articulate a vision. It's another thing to actually give all that you have and, and mobilize people to actually uh, accomplish that vision. And so there's, there's some of that tension that's always there where you have the, the creation of it and the execution of it. I think one of the things you said was, was talking about a vision statement. Like it's not a, not a very clear vision statement yeah. where, yep. where it can be a little bit. And we talk about this in, um, in some of the stuff that I do about the problem of generic vision, um, mm -hmm. to where Will Mancini is a, as an author and tool creator that I've had the privilege to learn under. And he, he talks about how, um, just vision is a, is a visionary state of mind is, is much better than just having a vision statement. So instead of having a vision statement, you need to have a visionary state of mind. What he means by that is rather than just having a static statement that is never attainable, you, you move towards a visionary state of mind where you're moving towards something all the time, right? We talk about, um, the, how, how vision expires. Like this was a, this was a big deal to me when I picked up the book, God dreams, um, just having this, this concept that vision expires. And so, I mean, just as an example, I mean, you see the, the, the Israelites in the old Testament where their, their vision was, you know, having been in captivity in Egypt, their vision was to, to be freed from, from all their oppressors. And so that actually happens. And then the dream becomes, here's a promised land. Well, 
It takes them a little while, but they eventually get there. That was the vision they had in their heart. There was this land flowing with milk and honey, and then they get there. Um, and then what happens? Like, right? They So they transform the tabernacle into the temple. Like, that was another big vision. And then some uh, sometime later, like, the, the idea was that the tabernacle and the temple was all foreshadowing of a, of a Messiah coming. But then the Messiah actually comes, and then there's a new vision set in place. So there's all these check marks um, and, and things that have happened, and, and you arrive at a certain point, but being able to understand that vision should expire and the ability to do that and cast a vision to say only like five years into the future we see our church doing this and then giving yourself the ability to lord willing get there and then cast another vision to see where you feel like god is leading you then i think having more of a of a um staggered type of a vision like that rather than this mm. one statement mm-hmm. that's just kind of unattainable or unachievable is is huge in in what you're doing as a as a leader and trying to understand that one of the phrases that I've heard is, is you're married to your mission statement, but you date your vision statement. So like you've got your mission statement, but like your, your vision statement can change. You know, like you're saying it, it, it's something that, that once you've gotten to a certain point, all right, what do we do now? Where are we going next? We don't have to stick with the same thing we've had since 1957. Yeah. So uh, I think that's an Andy Stanley quote, uh, marry your mission, but date your model uh, or your, or your vision or how you're actually approaching uh, doing your life and ministry. And so your mission should never change. Like in, in the context of the tool called the vision frame, when we talk about all these different words that we use in vision, mission, value, strategy, all these different words and give a place to hang that language. Uh, we talk about how the, the mission is, is just the compass in your hand. This is, this is pointing you North. This is what you do, no matter what what you do and your strategy and then also your vision is something that's also all, always ongoing. It's it's a little bit more fluid uh, of trying to understand. Obviously, our strategy as church leaders drastically changed in the middle of last year, right? I mean, yeah. COVID happens like, oh, now we can't meet on Sunday mornings. Your strategy changes. The mission still remained the same, but how you actually accomplished the mission was something that was was drastically different. And we had to adjust to that and try to understand, all right, this isn't the end of the world. <laughs> we know that our mission and our Lord is still the same. God's still on the throne, like all these different things. How do we go reach people now? Right. That's a reevaluation of what your strategy and what your vision for the year or for or ongoing kind of looks like. And so there's an editing phase that always takes place when you're looking at those aspects of your vision. Andrew, I know that uh, Dan and I met you at a, a ministry training event where you're training a whole bunch of leaders. But we, I also know through your ministry that you go into churches, into like an individual church and help them walk through a process of casting vision and developing a, a vision statement and helping them execute, figure out how they're going to execute it. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do when you come in? Because our listeners could go to your website. They could go to visionclarity.org and hire you to come in and do this. I think it's so beneficial to have a third party, an outside party doing this so that all the leaders in the church can participate. I'm wondering, one, can you just share with us some of the benefits you've heard from churches that have engaged you? And you know, have you heard them say, it's so good that we brought in someone else to help us with this. And then secondly, what does it look like when you, when you do come in and walk through, walk with a church doing this? Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's, uh, it's extremely hard and, and we, we overestimate ourselves oftentimes when we get in visionary planning meetings and it's for our own church that we can have a unbiased opinion. 
right of, of just saying <laughs> like that we have we we know our culture we know our 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 stuff and we still have blinders to to what the things that we're struggling with are sometimes if we're not intentional about evaluation and brutal honest evaluation a lot of leaders aren't if we if we can be able to step in a room and have brutal honest evaluation and understand the things that we do well the things that are missing the things that are going wrong and the things that are confusing in our lives in our ministries that's where vision kind of starts right i said already that vision starts with investigation not imitation and so um, being able to have a third party kind of come in and help you walk through that rather than trying to lead a team while you're trying to process that's that's always difficult right i mean so being able to have the freedom to just sit in the room and especially this is this has been my primary compliment slash uh, feedback from lead pastors anytime I go in and, and be able to lead them through a visionary planning retreat or, or whatever it might be, is that they say it's so good to just sit and listen to what people are doing. Because oftentimes yeah, I go in yeah. and I'm always nervous, like, all right, is the lead pastor going to just like dominate the conversation and all of this stuff? No, like most of the time, my experience has been, I'm sure there probably are some pastors that will struggle with this in my future, but mm -hmm. uh, most of the time, the lead pastors just sit in there quiet and they're just wanting to hear what other people have to say without begging them to, to, to hear what they have to say, right? To begging them to speak up and listen. I'm the one doing that. And they just get to sit back and say like, oh, like they're seeing our ministry this way. I never thought of it like that. Or they're seeing my leadership this way. I don't know if I like that too much, you know I mean? And just being able to sit back and just understand what's actually happening in the room. And so learning the art of facilitation was something that I've grown in um, tremendously over the last few years, being able to do this, but it's such a benefit and a blessing to the lead, uh, the lead guys in, in that type of a scenario, just to be able to, yeah. um, to rest for a little bit and to just learn uh, in, in that scenario. And so yeah, I, when, whenever I come in, I, I use a process that I was trained in that was developed by Oxano, um, developed by Will Mancini. And, and if so, if you're familiar with the vision frame or church unique or God dreams, any of that stuff that has led churches to vivid clarity and how they articulate and live out a God sized disciple making vision. Um, that's, that's the process that I've been trained in. And so I don't claim ever to be a vision, uh, expert. I am a, I'm a process expert and, and I even use the word expert loosely there. I'm, I'm very familiar with this process, <laughs> maybe not a total expert, but being able to come in where I come in to, to bring the process, uh, church leaders and their teams bring the content and together we, we move through a process and a journey that develops a, a clear path towards the future. And so that's what I've been blessed to be able to do for, for several years now. I do it for church planters. I've done it from churches from uh, size 50, 50 people in regular attendance up to 5,000 in regular attendance and, and being able to just walk them through a process where it just breaks down everything that they are and builds them back up based on who God has called them to be and articulating it in a way that's very vivid, very clear, and especially unique to who they are as a church. Andrew, how long does it take typically to go through that process with a church? So it varies a little bit. There's uh, there's different aspects of the vision frame. So I've gone in and done a, a one-day retreat with a church that just wanted to look at their values. And so we, we, we walked in and looked at their values because they felt like they needed to address some things. But then once we got into the room and did some of that stuff, they realized some other areas of their vision was lacking. And so I'd kind of come back in. Typically, 
and I'll and I'll even say typically uh, in in quotations, but um, uh, it it could be anywhere from uh, a two day vision planning retreat up to more of like a six to nine month process where it's multiple on sites and just being able to walk a team very intentionally through understanding who they are and where God is leading them. So I can do a what I call a God dreams retreat. Um, or what Mancini calls a God dreams retreat. And that's just a two day vision planning retreat, all built on where is God leading us? Where is God taking us? And how are we going to get there? That doesn't address mission values, strategy, you know, missional measures, those type of things. Um, That's where some of that other process really kind of comes into play where we're talking about church unique of understanding your identity, your core, your core mission, your core values, your core strategy and disciple making and all of those aspects. There's just a lot to go over. And, you know, when we were in our, our boot camp that we went to that you guys went to in Virginia, you're just there as the as the lead pastor or, or leader of your organization. And so it's a lot easier for an individual to kind of walk through that process and we can deliver information a lot faster. But if you have 6, 10, 12 people from your team that are all passionate about your ministry, it takes a little longer to really dig deep and discern all right, what are, what are our values? What is the mission? What is the vision that God has called us to? There's a lot of dialogue. There's a lot of um, understanding. There's pausing and time for, for prayer and discernment and, you know, just faith building exercises and all these different things that you do together as a team. But once you move out of that, it really is such an overwhelming sense of clarity and freedom for for senior leaders to have their entire team be able to be jacked up about the vision of their church and moving forward rather than having it just delivered to them from the lead pastor right you know so we, we i often say that the process is just as important if not more important than the outcome just because your team has sat and struggled and and wrestled with all of these concepts together and now you're moving forward as a team rather than just you kind of dragging them by a leash along the way, <laughs> whether they want to move or not. I know like having been down there and, and beginning to go through some of the stuff and, and working through that, you know, like trying to put together a vision statement it was the first time I'd done that. And then even starting to work through some of the values and then taking that home and, and working through that with some of our leadership and, and getting to a point. It was really nice to be able to have a way, a tangible way, a way that I understood to be able to communicate who we were as a church and where we saw ourselves going because I didn't really have that before. And so I had started to even like, you know, as church leadership, we'd started to make some changes, be it to service or even some ministries and that kind of stuff. And we knew that it was important. We knew we wanted to do it. Like, yeah, this is a good thing. This is what we want to do. This is the direction we're going. But we had people that struggled with it. And they didn't really like it. And I didn't have a tangible thing to stand on and say, well, because this is our value and it's staying within this mission. I didn't have those things. Mm. And what ended up happening is, I mean, we ended up having some people that aren't coming to our church currently anymore. And I think that some of that, and I'm not saying that they would have stayed, but I am saying that I would have felt a lot more comfortable being able to have something to stand on, have having the, the values like written out and, and understood and known how to communicate them a lot better than I did. And I just think that there's a lot of, there's just a lot of value in being able to communicate well with your people. And so even those who are, are not going to agree with where you're going, being able to be clear on that and being able to, to be able to say clearly, this is why we're doing what we're doing. This is what we're standing on. There's just immense 
value in that? Clarity isn't everything, but it changes everything. Being able to to have the freedom to to be clear as a leader, as your team, and move forward in a way that you know that God has called you to together mm-hmm. is so such a freeing experience as a leader. I mean, so many so often people just get stuck in the un, unknown of what are we supposed to do? Why are we supposed to do it? You know, how do we go about doing it? And we just get stuck going in our old ways of like, well, this is the way we've always done it, right? I mean, we just we just get together and we do church and uh, maybe get together for groups and sing some songs and that's success, right? And and for some leaders, like they're content with that. But for those that are, are looking for something a, a lot more profound, a lot deeper, uh, being able to mobilize a lot more people to get on board, uh, clarity is everything. I really appreciate it, Andrew, what you've shared today. Um, it makes me, you know, think about a couple of things. One is, I remember the first time I led uh, vision casting and strategic planning at my church when I was the senior pastor, and I joke that I managed to lead a nine-month process in only two years (laughs) and can personally vouch for how great it is to have someone come alongside you and help you do that so that as a leader you can be, like you said before, you know, participating and listening and engaged rather than focused on facilitating. The other thing I was thinking about listening is one of the common problems in a struggling church is lack of vision. I mean, just it's one of the one of the biggest barriers. So if you're in a church and you you feel like you're not going anywhere, you feel like you're plateaued or declining, this is a great area to look into. Chances are there's a lot you could do to to grow in the area of vision. Yeah, I think that the exactly what you're saying. I mean, just being able to have the the experience and the freedom just to sit back in a process like this and, and go through it with somebody else leading it is so beneficial. I think that, you know, I mean, so oftentimes leaders are just addicted to products. Like we just want to buy it off the shelf or off Amazon Mm -hmm. or off discipleship.org or whatever other resource and just plug and play at our place and just expect it to work. Right. But leaders are addicted to products, but process brings meaning. And so being able to submit yourself to to an extensive process where it's just like, okay, we're going to go through the deep work of understanding who we are, what our local context is like, and then start moving through like reevaluating because most churches will have some type of a, a mission statement, but just being able to put it on the table and open up that box and say like, all right, are these words saying what we need them to say? Or do we feel like God is leading us somewhere else? Like what, are, what do we need to do with that as a team and rest with that and then and then moving through all the different pieces of the vision frame together i mean it takes time right so i said like six to nine months to go through every aspect of the vision frame as a team to move forward and what that looks like but coming out on the back end man there's such a freedom uh, as a leader to know that your team is a hundred percent behind the vision because they helped create it right Mm -hmm. and so there's there's so much benefit that comes when that happens Mm -hmm. Thank you, Andrew, for for being our guest. You can find Andrew again, as as Ryan pointed out earlier, at visionclarity.org. Thank you all for listening to our show today. Don't forget to subscribe to our show, and we'd love it if you shared the podcast with a friend or colleague. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time. This has been an episode of the CLB Forge podcast, brought to you by CLB North American Mission. Thanks for listening. We welcome your questions and comments. Email us at podcast at clbforge.org.